You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, and welcome to Fenestration Conversations. This is Pat Flannery. Today we spoke with Ben Francis and Nick Schock from Red Pelican. They are consultants operating uh, out of uh, Alberta. We had a uh, great conversation today uh, uh, about the energy codes. That's, of course, the uh, major topic that's uh, on everybody's mind these days. And uh, we got into uh, talking about uh, what codes are looking like uh, across the country, how they're liable to change. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the reactions that they've been seeing to uh, the BC step code. Uh, we talked about some regional differences in how people are applying uh, building code standards. We got into performance path compliance, uh, building modeling, um, and uh, talked about uh, some of the, uh, surprisingly, some of the cost advantages possibly of a passive house approach. Um, some uh, sciencey stuff about thermal bridging uh, and how, uh, how modeling can, uh, can help you uh, end, up, end up really with a, a better performing uh, uh, window than uh, than maybe you're even getting in the wall if you've uh, set up the uh, if you've set up the thermal bridging modeling properly. Anyways, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff there uh, with uh, with Ben and Nick, two very knowledgeable guys uh, who had a lot, I think, of good information for everybody. Uh, so uh, have a listen and uh, please enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Ben Francis and Nick Shock from Red Pelican. How are you guys doing? Doing great, thanks. How are you doing, Pat? Good, 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 good. It's great to have you both with me. Uh, uh, ben and Nick are, uh, well, how would you describe yourselves? I guess uh, start start with you, Ben. How, how would you describe uh, your company and what you guys do? So we are engineers and energy modelers. Um, we do energy modeling for a variety of purposes, but primarily we're focused on energy codes, energy code compliance. And... Um, yeah, we're we're based and we're based in Calgary and Langley. So, and you're in Calgary with us today, right, Ben? That's right. And Nick, you're out there in uh, Langley, right? Yeah, Langley, British Columbia. Fantastic, beautiful Lower Mainland. And, That's right. Uh, oh yes. And uh, Nick, why don't you give us a a bit about your background in the industry and uh, and and how you got into this crazy gig? Yeah. So as Ben mentioned, we're um, we're energy modelers. The energy code is what we we do full time. Um, and um, yeah, you know, interestingly enough, Ben and I really both got into this about at the same time. It really came from uh, the adoption of the NECB in Alberta. And, um, you know, we both just sort of, um, uh, you, you know, we started working at um, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with someone else we knew who, um, uh, who, who really saw the opportunity that, okay, there's going to be a need for, uh, you know, people who understand this really well to help the building uh, sector. And ultimately, yeah, we kind of spun out of there, Ben and I, uh, forming, um, you know, forming Red, Red Pelican and, and yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty exciting time, uh, since then it's been very, very busy. <laughs> Neat. Ben, contact with the uh, contact with the window and door industry all your life, or is this something you've just gotten into uh, since you got into this? No, I would say it's something that I've uh, more so been focused on since getting into energy modeling. Um, obviously, window and door industry goes part and parcel with what we do. So, so yeah, that's kind of where this was born out of. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, I, I I wanted to. I, I know that there's changes coming up. Uh, actually, I'm I'm not right up to date on the the latest uh, status of the NECB. I, I think that was due for an update, uh, uh, possibly uh, last month. Uh, ben, why don't you fill us in on 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 where that's at for the NECB 2020 and uh, and what the, I guess I guess what the residential window and door manufacturers are going to want to pay attention to. Sure. Yeah. So. Um... And I guess just to give an overview, we're going to be focusing obviously today mostly on the NECB as well as uh, the NBC section 936. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll also, we'll touch on the BC Energy Step Code, but that's kind of the focus just because um, there's a lot of codes going on across the country, but the intention with these is to sort of unify everyone more or less under the, under the uh, same umbrella or 
or the least a few umbrellas. And um, yeah, so uh, I would say that, and even other, other jurisdictions, so for example, in Ontario, um, there are other options, but the NECB is sort of a, a more a fairly universal code that's going to um, at least have some have relevance uh, across the board. So yeah, we, um, we are expecting the uh, NECB 2020 to be coming out anytime, although I understand due to COVID and a few other issues that have gone on uh, that may get pushed back even into next year. So um, could still be a little ways off, but, but yeah, the, the key thing to be aware of there, there's, some, there's a few changes. So since, since the last version of the energy code um, came out or the energy codes, I should say, we've uh, adopted this mandate to uh, move towards uh, net zero energy ready targets by 2030. And so that's really what's been guiding these, uh, the latest versions of the energy code. And so we're going to see some fairly uh, big changes coming up in, or we would expect anyway, that's the, the intent at this point. Um, I think I could say that we would expect to see, we're going to, we're going to see um, NBC 936 and NECB basically follow um, very closely the pattern that's been developed with the BC Energy Step Code, which is to say um, developing tier, a tiered approach um, so essentially settling on one code, but with a variety of tiers, which uh, in order to demonstrate energy performance with respect to the baseline. And that will allow uh, various jurisdictions to adopt various tiers or steps of the code according to how they, um, they see fit based on their local industry um, with the intention of by 2030 or so that everyone would be uh, at the highest tier, which is considered uh, equivalent to, or, or in absolute terms in BC, um, considered net zero energy ready. So that's kind of the, the, key, the key things to, uh, that we're expecting to see in the next versions of the code. But there's, I think there's a lot that we can delve into within that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, you're out there with the BC uh, step code. Uh, it's been in place now, uh, what, for a couple of years? Um, I think, uh, how has, um, how, how have the manufacturers out there been reacting uh, uh, to, the, to the step code? Are, are you seeing um, people aiming higher? Are you seeing people struggling to hit the minimum? What, 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 what's going on? Um, yeah, there's a couple, I think a couple of things I can say. So, the first thing that I think, um, you know, we've that that the sort of community that the de design community in general out here has realized is that um, after air tightness, windows are sort of the um, the big opportunity to really to you know improve the performance of the um, of the building envelope and to meet these more challenging um, targets. So we've definitely seen a downward trend in window, you know, in window U values. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, a project, there's a, there's a project we're currently working on where the developer, um, you know, is that he was a first, kind of a first time developer, but, but basically through talking to a couple of consultants, you know, right away, he, he went, you know, straight for basically like a passive house um, type of, um, of, of uh, performance level, uh, you know, metric U value 0, 0 0.8 um, um, for, for his windows, just saying, yeah, you know, these, this is my best, uh, um, the best bang for my buck. So um, I think we definitely see a, a downward um, trend in, in, the, in the U values just because the performance targets are becoming much harder um, and, and windows are, you know, the best opportunity to help meet those. Uh, or, or one of the best opportunities to help meet those targets. Um, another interesting thing we've said or that, that we've seen um, is uh, I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but the, so even before the step code was really adopted, the city of Vancouver came out with um, updated um, prescriptive uh, uh, targets um, for their or, or pres prescriptive requirements for their windows. So they said, okay, for you know you want to build. Um, you know, a small residential building in the city of Vancouver, you need a U value of 1.4. Um, and that was a little bit of a shock to the system just because previously 1.8 was the, the requirement. And I think some manufacturers um, struggled a little bit with that. 
Um, and in particular, the city took a very hard line on enforcing it, where they actually, in some cases, uh, did, you know, um, in-field testing to determine, you know, they said, okay, even though the windows are labeled, um, because that value, it's possible to hit that value with a double pane, but um, not necessarily easy. So in some cases, they did in-field testing, and they even ripped out windows that they found that, uh, you know, were, were non-conforming. So I think, I think that was harder for some of some of the manufacturers um, that you know we're not quite up with the uh, performance requirements but I think so so for maybe you know maybe some of the manufacturers that haven't been as focused on 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 energy performance there's been challenges but the, for the ones that have I think they've really seen uh, uh, things uh, um, thrive for them you know that there that there is now a very ample demand for what uh, uh, for those for those manufacturers that can offer you know very high performance products. So Ben, for those of us in the country that are um, <clears throat> not dealing with the B, the step code right now, but are are it sounds like are are likely to uh, deal with some version close to it. What can you, can you give us some key numbers that uh, that 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 they're likely going to have to hit uh, that that maybe they didn't before? Like for instance, what are what are the what are the U value requirements be in the next NECD? So for most uh, jurisdictions, I would say in Canada, the U value is going to look something like around 1.7 or lower under the NECB. Um, NBC section 936, uh, I haven't seen the proposed numbers, but I can say that, um, I, I mean, they're generally, generally going to be lower. It assumes more, you know, basically vinyl frame windows, more residential applications. So it kind of matches that. Um, tier one of the uh, NBC 936 2020 is uh, the intention there is essentially just to match the current version so which hasn't really changed much since the 2015 code so that's good and um, with the addition of airtightness testing though um, which we can touch on later but um, but other than that I would say I would expect that we're going to see U value requirements in the range of 1.4 or lower as the, as the tiers increase and on the uh, 936 side, NECB, yeah, like I said, the intention is around 1.7. Um, and, uh, and so for, for multifamily residential that falls under part three, I would say that, that um, your, um, your vinyl frame window and, and fiberglass frame window manufacturers are going to have a, an easier time hitting those targets because um, even though it's a part three building, um, it's, if we're putting in it's essentially residential windows, uh, then we're just, we're going to be well ahead of the curve already. But, um, but on the part nine side, yeah, I think that uh, we would, we'd expect to see essentially equivalent to a, a high performance double pane at a minimum or, or basically getting to a triple pane almost as a standard fare. Yeah. Help me out. The NECB is like obviously the, the NBC is a model building code that the provinces can pick up or not, right? What's the yes. status of the NECB? Like, what 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 are you, what are your obligations to follow that? Is is it another model code? Because I I mean they can't legislate building codes nationally in Canada, right? So it actually it is it's a standalone code from the National Building Code, but uh, other than that, it behaves pretty much the exact same way. It's a okay. model code. And it's uh, up to the provinces to adopt, um, make amendments as required, but it's enforced uh, in the same way. Yeah. Okay. That that that's that's kind of what I thought. I just I wasn't sure. There, there were some illusions coming out of Anarchan in the early days of the market transformation effort that they were going to try to use the Federal Energy Act to to legislate some of this stuff if they couldn't get buy-in from the provinces. Um, but uh, uh, I guess things haven't come to that dire. Uh, <laughs> consequence yet <laughs> but uh anyways uh yeah that's okay so so they're just they're, they're still just suggesting <laughs> yeah, yeah and you know i think we can we can note that um basically across the board at least you know we deal primarily in western canada but across the board the western provinces have been um have been on top of of adopting the energy energy codes. I mean, BC has its own thing with the BC Energy Step Code, but provinces like um, you know Alberta and Saskatchewan, which you know perhaps sometimes we might see 
um, you, you know, like um, they have they, with the oil and gas industry and everything like that, perhaps there's a perception of, you know, being a little less concerned about energy efficiency, but but those are actually the two provinces that have adopted the most recent version of the NECV. So they've, they've adopted NECV 2017 and they're the only provinces except for Nova Scotia um, as well to adopt. So they're right on the forefront. So, so yeah, it seems like um, at the provincial level, everybody's uh, staying, you know, there's not a lot of people dragging their feet, I don't think. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Ontario's definitely the, the Trumpian outlier uh, these days. I mean, we, we were seeing, Ben and I were in a we're in a presentation yesterday, um, where uh, uh, the guys were showing codes from uh, Nick. Did you did you sign into Top Glass? I, I can't remember if you were there or not. No, okay. Uh, I I know I saw Ben's name on the list at some point. Mm. Um, and uh, and and we had a guy doing the commercial codes uh, rundown. And yeah, Alberta and Saskatchewan were right there with the, like the 2017 uh, had 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 already picked it right up. Uh, and then Ontario had this mismatch. It's like choose your standard. Like, I didn't, I didn't care what you. Choose <laughs> your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. What did they have in there, Ben? There was Ashray. There was. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Everything. Even, um, yeah, there's Ashray ninety point one. That's right. And um, they even reference Ashray one eighty nine point one, I believe, which is more of an international standard. So, um, yeah. If you so, have a standard. If yeah. you have a standard, use it. <laughs> 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 well, we don't want anything to get in the way of commerce out here, guys. Uh, right, it's very, yeah, uh, very important that uh, people be able to do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> hey, is this Ben? Is this a? Is this a? Um, it's an interesting idea that you would um, use the code partly to model um, a higher standard at the same time as you're establishing what the minimum standard is supposed to be. Right. That that's kind of an innovation in the in the step codes. Right. I mean. It, it, obviously, the idea is to get people looking at it and saying, "Well, my product will already meet that higher thing. What you know? So, so I might as well, I might as well, you know, do do more of that." Is that is that the sense you get from the effort there? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I would say that the code, the the good thing, I guess, to expect about the the step code and the tiered code um, coming out uh, in MECB twenty twenty. Is that we're at least all going to be on the same page. We all we're all going to have more or less the same reference for the for the next while. And uh, whereas now we've got um, you know a, well just even across the <laughs> across the four Western Canadian provinces we have um, we have NECB 2017, 2011 currently uh, still in effect in Manitoba, and we've got a, a whole patchwork in between the BC Energy Step Code. BC also, by the way, um, they have they they make reference to any CB twenty fifteen and uh, and also ASHRAE ninety point one remains an option. So um, anyway, it it can make things challenging for um, everyone in the industry to to really um, figure out what's going on, especially if you've got an architect in BC who's trying to design a building in Saskatchewan, something like that. So um, so yeah, the good thing is uh, once this code starts to come online, we're at least all going to have the same reference point. And it's just a matter of um, different tiers with respect to that. So in the NACB, you know, the tiers will simply be, um, you know, 20%. I can't remember the exact numbers, but uh, say 15 and 30 and 40% better than the baseline. But we're all referencing the same code. So at least it kind of gives everyone that same uh, reference point that we can, uh, we can start to work with. Yeah, and, and, and Nick, that really cleared up a lot, of, a lot of confusion and helped people a lot in BC, didn't it, when they... When they did go to the step code and, and put out a sort of a standardized set of expectations from the province rather than letting all the individual municipalities decide on their own uh, building code that that's exactly right so there was a there's a huge patchwork of um certifications and you, you know requirements um i think there's there's all, there's something like 30 different municipalities or authorities having jurisdiction in the lower mainland alone and you know one would require lead and another one would require built green and it was just you know it was just a so the step code has really consolidated things and the other thing that it's done is it's given the industry a longer term um, um, you know framework to, to look at or, or timeline in the future I think everyone wants to know where things are going and so they said okay look here's the roadmap for the next 10 years um, this is you know this is where we're going and so 
um, that that was big when the you know they did quite a bit of industry consultation and and the industry said you know okay we're okay with uh, with higher performance targets but we just need to know we need to know what the plan is because we need you know we don't want to get caught off guard by you know code cycles and, and and things like that so that's one of the big benefits is it's it's laid out a consistent framework um, but also um, but but given us you know kind of the t the timeline of what the next ten years is going to look like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if the if the standards people or or, or the government people generally uh, uh, always understand how important that that level of certainty is. I mean, I, I remember running around that uh, uh, window a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, talking to guys who were scrambling to to, to develop triples and, and 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 things, and you know, in, in response to some of the murkier projections that were coming out of NRCAN. And, uh, you know, and then a couple of years later, Enercan's kind of stepping back and going, going, well, we're not going to do anything that the technology isn't there for, you know, and these guys are like, oh, great. I, you know, I just, I just, I just spent $300,000 develop, you know, testing a new window and, uh, and, uh, you know, and now, now they might not go for it. And my, you know, my, my old double that I had five years ago, uh, is probably fine. You know, this is, this is, that's why it's good to have that, that idea of where it's going in the future for sure. Mm -hmm. um, ben, the um, well, to, to that point, um, one of the things that I that, that I guess is is changing, or that or that people are going to take a closer look at than maybe they did in the past, is um, performance path testing versus versus really prescriptive. You know, focusing on the on the prescriptive elements. Right. Um, tell us a bit about the difference between between those two things. And uh, and uh, why why one may be you know now emerging as as a better option than the other, right? So yeah, I mean under both uh, 936 and NECB, there are effectively three compliance options as you've indicated. Um, so looking in particular at the NECB, there is the first being I guess um, the de facto or the default the, the prescriptive path. Um, I'm making air quotes. I don't know if that's coming over the <laughs> the audio, but uh, I, I say path. I'll, I'll 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 tell people when you're doing it, Ben. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Ben is now making air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just uh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, I I say that because it's become, especially under the latest iteration of the code, um, with with the thermal bridging requirements. Um, it's become less of a path and more of essentially just a set of reference values that we use to compare against in the other two options of the other two paths. So, uh, and I say that because um, at least, for example, in climate zone uh, 7A, where we deal a lot in the prairies, um, we need to hit an R27 effective wall. And, um, and that, and once we start accounting for thermal bridging at all your, your transitions, your parapet and your at grade and even your window transitions, um, we, we see that getting knocked down by sometimes as much as 50% or more. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very significant. And that's, and thermal bridging, by the way, it, it will be obviously um, continuing on in the, in the next iterations of the code. So uh, basically the prescriptive path, like I said, is not so much a path, but um, a set of reference values. And then there is a sort of a variation on that path, which is trade-offs. Um, it is still possible to achieve compliance under trade-offs and, and more so in the lower climate zones. But uh, even then, we've just found in our experience that um, there are still a lot of restrictions in place. It's not very flexible in how you can go about designing your building and achieving compliance with the code. So we've just seen more and more of a move toward the performance path or energy modeling. And uh, because then it's just allowing the most flexibility saying you can design your building in a sense, however you want, as long as you um, as you hit these the requirements. Now, those requirements are a little different, whether it's we're talking step code or NECB or 936. But um, but that the basic idea remains the same. That we have we have full flexibility. We can there's we can make trade offs uh, in among all parts of the building, all systems in the building, and just demonstrate that we're we're achieving that uh, performance target. So Nick, if uh, if somebody wants to uh, go the performance path uh obviously it's a it's, it's a whole building measurement it's not something that um the window manufacturer does by themselves um what t tell me what that looks like uh, uh because i i know there's a lot of guys who certainly have 
this way that have never done it. Um, what, 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 is that, what does that look like? How do you go about it? Who has to be involved? Yeah, um, so the, I think the, the, the key thing is, is that as the targets um, get harder and harder to achieve, the, you know, the more options you have, the, the less cost, like the more, the more flexible, the more flexibility you have, the, the lower the cost will be of achieving, of achieving those targets. Um, so the performance path, as Ben mentioned, it basically means that instead of instead of essentially a checklist of okay, every component on this building has to meet a certain requirement. So my windows have to meet, you know, a certain U value. My walls have to meet a certain R value. Um, you know, my my furnace has to have a certain minimum efficiency. Basically, you know, working with a um, energy modeling consultant, um, we we do a computer simula simulation of the, of the building's energy use uh, for the full year, and we demonstrate that it meets the code requirements. Usually that's with respect to, to a reference house. So um, we make two energy models, one of the proposed design and one of the you know, reference design that meets all the prescriptive requirements. And we, we're just showing that um, the proposed design as a whole building uh, meets or exceeds the, the energy uh, target uh, in the code. Um, and there's two things I'll just say there uh, uh, further is that for most of our projects, even that are going performance path, even though there's no longer a minimum window U value, we've, uh, or, or sorry, um, maximum window U value, we've, we've seen that almost always the windows are a great way to, you know, to just help the whole project um, meet the code that most windows, um, especially on the residential side are are better than the, than the than the code requirements and that's helping the whole project get into compliance um, you could say that there's um, you know windows have been subject to um, you know quite a bit of uh, um, of uh, you know relatively intense requirements of how we define that u value all that that that, that type of thing um, and walls have gotten off a little bit easy, um, but now that we have thermal bridging calculations, we're significantly derating the R values of walls. Um, and, uh, and, and we're seeing that, um, um, you know, that, the, that it's, it's actually really hard to, because of thermal bridging to build, you know, a really high R value wall with things like, you know, uh, uninsulated slab edges or, you know, shelf angles, like all, all these types of things. Um, and then the second thing I'll say is there's other, you know, really low hanging fruit in, in, in the building design, things like, um, um, you know, air tightness or, um, or your, you know, ventilation, if you have a good HRV that can, you know, that can do a lot. So I think it's, you know, we're, we're changing our thinking from looking at the building as a, a bunch of individual components to the building as a system. And so I think that's a conversation that uh, when you man window manufacturers, um, should have with with their you, you know with, with with the architects and developers and, and teams that they work with is you know how or, or you know build builders for residential construction is you know how are you planning to meet the energy code um, and I think also um, not just in terms of what's the highest U value that we can use but you know how can my product really help you to save money elsewhere in you know in your in your design and you know you don't want to do you know, maybe they don't necessarily want to do a whole bunch of exterior insulation or, or something like that, that the prescriptive code uh, requirements um, uh, would, would, uh, would make them do. So this is, this is all done on software, eh? The, 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 the inspectors will accept uh, the computer model. Exactly. Okay, cool. And, and the other, the other thing is it does sort of simplify things like it, uh, you know, instead of instead of a, whole, a long list of requirements, it's all consolidated into a single report. Uh, right. Yeah. That 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 makes a huge difference. And I, well, I mean, I think that, and I think the important point here is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have some giant 0.08 triple uh, under this scenario uh, in order to um, in order to comply. Um, and and you also by supplying one of your existing doubles, you don't necessarily have to feel bad that the that the building isn't isn't going to you know be uh, efficient uh, because supposedly the model has picked all this stuff up. And I mean, the point about thermal bridging is kind of catnip for the window and door manufacturers because they've been complaining for years that 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 none of none of the existing standards 
uh, reflect installation. Uh, you know, like if, if you don't put this thing in right uh, and you don't, and you have, you have bridges, you have, you have nails going through or whatever, yeah, the flange is, it, it, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to perform very well. So that, that's, you know, that, that, that's an opportunity to kind of get around all that. Um, so really Ben, the, the, um, the, I guess the, I guess the different aspect here is that you kind of have to get, in order to do performance path testing, you do have, kind of have to get everybody around the table though, right? I mean, I mean, you, you have to have, uh, well, you probably have to have a consultant like yourselves kind of coordinating this thing, right? Because you got to, you got to bring the contractor in, you got to bring the, uh, you got to bring the HVAC guys in, uh, you got, you got to bring the Masons in, you know, all, all, all this stuff to, to, to really understand how that building's going to work, right? Yeah, that's right. I would say in particular on the larger, you know, multifamily or uh, part three buildings, then that's something that we try to um, at least recommend is more of an integrated design process where everyone's kind of on board from the outset and we can, um, you know, especially even for the, for the clients, um, for, for their sake, that they can know uh, and make decisions early on on what sort of strategies we want to take here. Because uh, as you probably know, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's so different where they want to, um, where they want to invest or areas that they just feel um, an aversion to for whatever reason. So, so yeah, it just, it gets that conversation going earlier and then there's no surprises at the 11th hour when we go to, uh, you know, run the energy code compliance and find that we're, we have a, a deficit that we need to make up and everything's already been designed and, and everyone's on board. So, so yeah, that's something that we, um, for any, project we would rec we could typically recommend um, just having that conversation early on and, and and you know the energy consultant can can put out some ideas and uh, get a feel for for um, what what we can do and what we can't do and and go from there yeah because I, I think what it kills a lot of these guys is is the um, is the testing costs right so when you're when you're saying hey I want you to I want you to develop a new window and knock point two off the u value um, that, that like, like even the, you know, the incremental changes just open up this, you know, Pandora's box of, 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 of testing and, and certification charges you're, you're, you're going to run into, um, without, without disclosing your fee structure, uh, what, <laughs> how would you compare, how would you compare the expense of, 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 of performance path testing to, uh, to, to developing a new product? Ben, I guess we'll stay with Ben. Sure. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to keep in mind is that these buildings need to comply with the energy code one way or the other. So there's, um, I mean, there's some degree of cost perhaps associated with that. But, but with the performance path, the degree of flexibility that we've seen, um, you know, we could be talking like, uh, I would say, oftentimes orders of magnitude more uh, construction material cost savings than um, you know, uh, compared to what the consulting fees might be for uh, energy modeling. You know, it depends on the project, uh, you know, but the larger the project, the more that you could say that that's um, any, any, you know, if we're talking about um, a slight difference in cost for, for windows or insulation or what have you, just gets multiplied over, um, over that much larger of an area. So, so yeah, we've seen uh, projects where it's just been, it's been significant and I would say that just a lot of times, you know, the designers, um, they may not even be aware of what opportunities there are for cost savings that they can, they may be able to, um, you know, remove uh, portions of say un under slab insulation, things like that. Um, or, or there are also, um, there's, there are a number of elements built into the code that we could take advantage of um, that they may not know about in terms of classification of spaces, um, just how the energy model works um, there, there's a lot of flexibility there in how we can go about um, saving material costs. Nick, you've been involved in a few of these out in BC, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, 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 so what's that, ex what's that experience been like for everybody? I guess, I guess one thing that pops to my mind is, is, is this a, is this a faster way to, to, to get your, uh, to, to, to get everything certified and everything compliant? Uh, yeah, so I think, um, it, it, is it faster to get your building permit using the performance path than the prescriptive path? I would say, generally speaking, yes, because um, 
especially with larger projects, um, right, but also also on the nine the nine thirty six side or the, the part nine side as well. I mean, you know, it, it used to be with the prescriptive path. You know, some, sometimes you'd get into a debate with the the building inspector about you know the the R value of like stucco or something because you're right. you know you're point zero one off of the the value for the prescriptive path and all that really goes away because it's it's all just in a consolidated report. Um, it's a it's very much like a professional assurance model, so um, it has to be done by you know a qualified um, energy modeler, so whether that's you know an engineer or um, like an energy advisor on the part nine side. Um, but but it, it's it's very much you know we're signing off on that report, and the the building official is is you know. Uh, is, is trusting that we're that you know we've done our due diligence and 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 all that and there's quite frankly there's also just less less to talk about you, you know like we're 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 summarizing our our model inputs and our model outputs but but there's no there's not a need for them to go through a long list of specifications just to make sure every single item has met you know every single requirement. I would also add yeah so further to Nick's point we've gotten feedback to that extent from authorities having jurisdiction in various uh, jurisdictions, just that it, it makes everything uh, much simpler from their perspective. They're not having to go through a, a giant checklist with a fine tooth comb and, and you know, debate every point. It's uh, everything's yeah, kind of just combined into one report. And, and like Nick said, um, with, with professional assurance to go along with it. I would also, uh, I, I guess I should add that in BC with the step code, they're actually uh, removing basically prescriptive compliance altogether. So that's one difference with the, um, or they have removed, I should say. So any step code project has to be energy modeled. Um, there, there is no other option. Hmm. So when you get um, basically the report for, let's say a house, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it now to single family houses, right? Uh, this would obviously be the developer uh, or the home builder that was getting this done, uh, I would assume, with with input from uh, the window manufacturer. Um, once you get a report, uh, what what changes are you allowed to do from from house to house design? Right, because usually usually the developer will have, you know, five or six designs uh, in a subdivision or or more. Um, and, and with with alterations, custom alterations to each of those, how much variance are you allowed off that off that report? Um, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, Ben. Uh, but, uh, Whoever but, uh, wants it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think um, the short answer is the energy model um, does need to reflect the exact building construction. But because it's software, it's not that hard to make small changes. Um, you know, we have projects all the time where it's the exact same building, but maybe the orientation changed. So we just have to, you know, do a file save as and, you know, change one variable and then reprint the report. So it's, uh, there's definitely ways to, um, you know, to, to overcome um, that type of uh, scenario in a very efficient manner. Yeah, okay, so now it, that sounds like something cool I'd actually want to play with. So, so if you have you done this, have you have you played with this where where you have a building sitting there and then you and then you rotate the orientation uh, uh, a few degrees or or I, I don't know I don't know how much it would take before you'd see a difference. What what kind of changes do you see when you do that? Ben, it's your turn. Okay, yeah, it's sure, Ben's yes. turn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that we actually, we also find that interesting and, and on our uh, bigger projects or where we're involved in an earlier stage, that's exactly the type of thing that we do. Um, basically parametric modeling where, we're, where we can start to create the model, early stage model, and then start to just play around with what's the effect of some of these variables on the, um, on the bottom line energy consumption. So as you mentioned, certainly uh, orientation, you know, if you've got a lot of south facing glazing, um, and, and even what's the solar heat gain of that glazing, yeah. et cetera. You know, um, if can we, can we capture some passive solar heating in the winter, we need to balance that with, with uh, overheating in the summer. But uh, yeah, these are all things that we can play with in the energy model. It's actually, um, and, and provide feedback to the design team. And it's, um, yeah, we find that very exciting when we, can, when we can start to be involved at that level. 
that'll be that'll be really that'll be really cool to play with. Right? That 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 that'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, especially with all the. I mean, you know, we've had a raging debate in this country about ER versus U value for for a, a long time because you know a, a lot of people are mad that. Uh, well, some people wish solar heat gain wasn't in it, and some people are mad if it's not in it. And you know, it it it, it depends partly on what area of the country you live in. And uh, I, I guess I guess this is yet a, right, Nick. This is yet another route around sort of all those kinds of debates, right? But, yeah, that's right. And um, an interesting point on that uh, note is in um, so in Vanc in uh, for step code projects, we're now required to evaluate uh, at least on the part three side, um, not yet on the part nine side, but uh, um, we're we're required to evaluate the building for overheating if there's no. Um, if there's no uh, active cooling system. And so that has really, that, that means that for a building that, that doesn't have a cooling system that's built in the lower mainland, we're recommending very low solar heat gain coefficients um, around any, you know, 0 0.18 to 0 0.2, because any higher than that, and it's gonna be really, the energy model is gonna show that those base temperatures start getting pretty hot in the summer. Um, there's other ways around it too, you know, things like window overhangs and, and and all that. But 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 yeah, all this is um all this is kind of coming up now um, as we get into these higher performing uh, higher performing targets. I'm gonna digress totally off topic and tell you guys a story. My uh, my uh, uh, assistant editor told me this morning. Um, she's from India, and uh, everybody lives in apartments uh, in the, in the big cities. Monolithic glass no air conditioning no heating um because the, well it's just how they do it she says in the in the winter if it's cold you you, you layer up indoors and uh and, and and i mean this is not poor people like this is this is middle class life in, in in new delhi and uh and uh you uh and and no one no one there's very little air conditioning like only only very posh places have, have any air conditioning hmm. and, and they're in apartments for god's sake <laughs> and she said they were amazed when they moved to Toronto and, 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 you know, that they could be in their apartment and they're not, they're not, you know, hot or cold really, even without, without running anything. So that wow. massive opportunity in India, window and door manufacturers, <laughs> I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, um, I, uh, yeah, one thing I didn't I mention though, is we also, in the energy model, we can also, um, we can also look at natural ventilation because that's a big part of it too, right? Is if, uh, mm. if you can operate those windows, um, you know, you may not, you may, you know, you may be able to have your cake and eat it too. You can, you can have your, um, um, you know, you can have, you, you, you can get your views. You can, you can, you know, maybe have some additional, um, heat, you know, heat gains in the, in the winter, but, but it, you would just have to make sure that those window, if those windows can operate, that just helps, you know, prevent some kind of situation where there would be occupant discomfort, right? That's that, yeah. that's that, that's the key thing is to make sure that we look at the building as a whole, you, you know, to, to make sure that they, um, um, that uh, yeah, if, if if we're if we're getting into a really warm situation, there's at least something they can do about it. No, no kidding. Well, they, I, yeah, the only the only thing I can the only way I can see that that's even working for them is that is that they are like full concrete construction. In, 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 in all of those buildings, right? So you're surrounded by relatively cool concrete. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that, yeah. Model that up for me. Model that up for me, guys, and okay. tell me what the difference is if you have a, a full concrete house. Well, actually, we do, we do account for thermal mass in the energy model as well. So Yeah. 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 Can, yeah. Well, it's got to be cooler, right? Well, mm -hmm. maybe. Stuffy, yeah. but cooler. Yeah, I mean, there's... um. There's buildings like, for example, the um, there's the uh, uh, Bullet Center in Seattle, where you know they they basically have exactly this strategy where um, the windows are all operable and they do uh, they do like a nighttime flush. So so it's an office building, all the windows are open at night. They're bringing in cool air. It's all concrete interior, and then that just helps to shave that peak cooling load when you get the sun during the day. So. There's, you know, I think as building targets are getting, um, are moving towards higher performance, there's, there's ways to design, to design around it, right? You know, to, 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 to try to get the best of both, both worlds here.
Yeah. So Ben, the, the, um, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind with, with, with all of this is, is the enforcement of it. And we know, you know, BC got religion on that, uh, uh, years ago because of the leaky condo thing and it all just trickled downhill for years. Um, it's not. Uh, it's safe to say other jurisdictions are not quite as uh, as, as uh, onto it. But what what would be the what would be the um, path? I guess then for, I mean, inspectors obviously on a new build are going to see this report before anything's approved for occupancy. Um, are there uh, are are there are there is there some sort of labeling or certification regime that's going to have to take place to, uh, to 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 make it easier for the inspectors? Or I guess I guess the report is enough. Um, I guess the question becomes: What do you think they'll do anything with renovations uh, or 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 demanding like uh, what there was an idea that your house would have to have an energy uh, label before it could be sold? Uh, and things like that. Do you, do you see anything like that coming? Um, yeah, well, we've, we've seen that type of idea being rolled out in, in certain jurisdictions. Uh, for example, I think Edmonton has, um, has that, and I don't think it's necessarily mandatory, but there are incentives in place to, um, to have uh, labeling in order to, um, and, and that would then be, you know, in a database and it would be part of basically the, you know, you could go and look uh, when you're going to buy a home. It's on the MLS listing. It's right there what the energy rating is. Um, but otherwise, I would say that the code, um, I mean, for, for our purposes in the energy code, our, our scope is completed at the time of the building permit application. So we've, we're verifying that for this house or this building that as the design as proposed is compliant with the energy code. And unless anything changes, generally speaking, then um, then it remains compliant, and um, and then of course that that's verified at the time through a site inspection um, undertaken by um, well, I guess primarily or first of all by the architect, or in the case of a um, of a home, you know, the building inspector he may go around and just verify that the that the windows uh, installed are are um, as per the design. But other than that, um, and then I guess going forward, any, as far as the NECB goes, uh, any building that was originally permitted under the NECB, um, any like alterations to that building have to maintain or improve that baseline um, level of energy performance. And so at this point, there's not, um, there's not uh, a code that necessarily applies to, um, to existing buildings, if that's what you were um, touching yeah. on. Although, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of elements of the energy codes that can be applied to existing buildings, but, but there are also a lot that are not so much applicable. And, um, and so, but that is something that we do expect to see in the coming, it's, it's a little further out, but it is something that we expect to see. Well, it depends on the jurisdiction. I think, um, you know, some, I think in, for example, in Montreal, you know, they have, they have more immediate plans to start implementing measures for existing buildings. And I think there's a number of cities in the U.S. as well. But as far as the national model codes, I think that's still a little ways out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just sort of at the grumbling and, 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 and foreshadowing stage, right? And the national codes, but I know I've heard the word renovation. Uh, coming out of the mouths of, uh, of some of the uh, some of the code officials, uh, they, um, they I think they I think they want to do something about that before uh, before all is said and done, uh, 2030 or 2032 or whatever the target for all this kind of form. Now we'll see how that works out. The next thing I had the next thing I had written down here, and I and I, I remember Ben us having this conversation, and I and I and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm struggling now to remember how we got to this. We were going to look at the codes Chinese menu, uh, the, the one from column A, one from column B approach, or something to uh, to uh, <laughs> to get to, to, to getting compliant. Uh, 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 help me out. What what was I what was I talking about there when I wrote that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think that was uh, coming from, which we did touch on a bit earlier, how we've got such a patchwork of codes and standards, yeah. certifications, et cetera, across the country. 
whereas uh, now we're at least starting to converge on um, on a set of codes which are which will be more or less universal, uh, even if there are still differences across jurisdictions. I mean, I would even say that at the uh, the good thing is even you know there are obviously differences between the step code and the NECB and 936, but they they have a lot in common, and I think you know many parts of the step code were um, had their roots in the NECB and 936 and vice versa. Now in turn, you're seeing those uh, NECB and 936 draw from the step code in terms of, um, of, uh, of the tiered approach. They, they called it tiered just to be different than steps, I guess. Yeah. But, but yeah. other than that- um, They don't want to look like we're copying BC. No, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we can't give them any credit. Over yeah, don't give them any yeah. credit. <laughs> We say what the code is, not them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They, are, they already think enough of themselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would just say, no, they, I mean, in all honesty, they have done a lot of, of great work in really pioneering this stuff. And, um, and hence why I don't think the NECB is actually very shy about the fact that, um, you know, we're really just drawing, drawing inspiration from there. As a, as a practical way to go about reaching these um, high performance uh, targets in the next 10 years. Nick, are you seeing, um, I, guess, I guess the question is, um, where, would, where, would, where would window and door manufacturers have to go to, to hit everything? I mean, uh, what's, a, what's a step, what is it, step five? It goes to five steps, right? Or is it four in BC and five is the national? I thought they had different number of steps. Anyways. What, what, what does it take to get to the, to get to the top step so you're never going to have to change your product again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think, um, you know, what we've seen is uh, that, um, that essentially, you know, to get to these net zero ready uh, uh, targets, we really, um, we are expecting as much performance as possible out of out of the windows and doors um so that really does mean something like a like a passive house equivalent performance level or a u value of zero zero point eight that type of thing i mean yeah will that be like will that be the you know the be all you know the, the final word i guess it remains to be seen i mean you know some manufacturers out here have come out with uh, dual pane windows that can reach U values of, uh, you know, 1.25 um, or, or, or thereabouts. So, so very low U values, even for a double pane, a, a dual pane. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think just because the, the end goal is so challenging um, and we really, you know, everyone wants to have windows. We want to have, want to have, you know, um, um, uh, you know, we, we definitely, we don't want to sacrifice our windows. So I think, I think there's, um, there's a real push for performance and it does look like that, that, that is kind of the level of performance that the industry is, um, is, is moving to out here in, in BC. I would also just add to that, um, in addition to thermal performance, you know, something we've talked about as well is, um, air tightness. So, um, because, you know, under the step code, as well as the future versions of the NECB and NBC 936, um, the intent is that all, that there would be uh, mandatory whole building air tightness testing for every, every house and every building. And um, now that's, that's a whole kind of kettle of fish on its own. And um, I think the intention is to start with, I mean, to, to start with under the next version of the code, mandatory air tightness testing, but without actually having an, um, or without recording the results, um, we still would, would detail the air barrier in the same way, but, but um, we simply need to have an air tightness test completed and registered that it's completed just in order to start building some capacity in the market. But, um, but eventually, and I think it, already in BC, you know, it, um, the buildings do have to hit the, uh, a specific air tightness value and, so I guess you could say that even if a window has uh, meets sort of the a NAF standard for air tightness, you could say that there could be um, even more competitive advantage for uh, for a higher degree of air tightness in a in a window uh, product. I think Nick Nick was saying um, that you know there are already developers who who are choosing windows not just on thermal performance but air tightness, 
because they want to go, uh, they want to make sure they're going above and beyond um, minimum requirements. And how, how is that, how is that, so sorry, Nick, is, is it in, in BC right now, you have to air tightness test every building? Uh, every step code building has to have an air tightness test and then the energy model is updated with those uh, with those test results. Um, so you have to pick a target and commit to achieving that target. You mean every individual building has to be tested or the design has to be tested? No, the building has to be tested um, because the, 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 well, there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, you know, it's actually, it's, uh, it's not as bad as, you know, as you might think. Um, I mean, especially on the, the, the residential side, like, you know, part nine buildings, um, you can do these tests with a single, uh, a single uh, blower door unit and, um, you know, places like places down in the U S that have had mandatory testing requirements for a while. Um, it's, you know, often, uh, it, it, it's actually not that it's not that bad. You know, it's, it's, it basically can be like a two hour site visit kind of thing. Um, they just, you know, they come in, they, they pop the blower door in, they, you know, they do the test and, 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 and they're gone. But, um, the main thing is, is yeah, it's, as, as Ben mentioned, it's it's really kind of weeding out the um, uh, some of the, I guess you could say like just some of the things that we've we've missed in the past that that could be causing a lot of infiltration. Um, for example, just you know detailing things like your you know your HVAC penetrations or you know floor headers and stuff like that. You know that just we're supposed to be hitting, you know, 2.5 air changes per hour at 50 pascals on our test, but we're getting eight instead or, or something like that. Um, but, but yeah, as Ben mentioned, um, now it's a factor for windows. You know, if you've got windows that are known to have poor infiltration, it's going to show up on your, uh, on your air tightness test. And likewise, if you have very good infiltration, um, that's also going to show up on your air tightness test. And with the energy model, that not only just helps like the, the window, it helps the whole building. So if the building itself can set an aggressive air tightness test, that's going to, um, that's going to lower costs for the building as a whole to, you know, to achieve those more aggressive uh, energy, um, energy performance targets. Well, and it is Ben, right, right. That it, it is really part and parcel of the low hanging fruit of, of getting a more energy efficient uh, uh, building, right? Because the, Again, as we as we saw in the presentation yesterday, and again that was curtain wall, but we're, it's the same principle. Um, the the thermal bridging and the and the and the air water uh, leakage is, you know, just a, a massive cost in terms of. But that that's really where all the energy is going most of the time. It's not going through the center of the window, uh, uh, by and large. Um, it's 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 those bridging aspects that to the outside that that, that seem to be. Where the where the best benefit can come from, and simultaneously being the hardest to fix, because it's in the interface between trades, right? It's it, the masons can't fix the bridging, and the window manufacturer can't fix the bridging, and the carpenter can't fix the bridging. You have to have them all, you know, on it, right? That's right. Yeah, and I, I would just say that. We've, uh, as much as these, the energy codes, um, the aggressive nature of them has brought its challenges, those are the areas that we've also seen a lot of benefits, you know, just really uh, firming up a lot of those areas. Like, for example, thermal bridging, you know, it was, it was always basically an afterthought. In fact, up until the most recent version of the code, we had what was called a 2% exclusion. So anything, any uh, thermal bridge or any, any part of the uh, component of the building envelope that made up less than 2% of the overall surface area, we could just exclude and say, well, that doesn't really matter. Well, now we're realizing that actually we're losing a significant yeah. amount of the overall That's heat where loss. it was all happening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So these types of things and, and similarly, you know, um, other, other uh, transition details and um, as well as even ventilation, you know, it's, it's a huge part of it. You know, we're just, so much, especially in when I mean, we're in a cold climate, we're bringing in a lot of fresh air. Obviously, you know, just uh, trying to heat that ventilation air is a significant element of our uh, overall energy consumption. So these are areas that we, um, they are, they're, in a sense, they can be harder to really dial in. But on the other hand, um, I would say that in some, in some respects, a little a bit of, um, 
a, a few some small changes can go a big way. So um, that's really the, been the story of uh, of the energy code, I guess, as especially as far as thermal bridging goes, which that's what we're, we're really focused on in our role as energy modelers, um, providing feedback uh, on building envelopes. Um, we've just seen that, yeah, uh, some you know minor changes can go a, a big way in terms of getting a building compliant. Nick, I hate to put you on the spot, but have you have you can you think of uh, examples of things people have tried to, to to eliminate bridging, like after they see your modeling and, and, and deciding? I guess either of you have there have there been tricks people have come up with? Uh, yeah, we've definitely had to have that conversation. Um, you know that. Uh, um, and we've we've seen you know we've seen different things uh like probably the most extreme case was in calgary recently we we had a project where they they um was a large kind of multi-family i think eight-story multi-family type of project and they were they were planning on using a uh, steel stud wall without any exterior insulation and um let's just say like uh yeah i think the wall there's so much thermal bridging that the it would it's definitely uh like in some cases it's it's almost like the windows you know either are or could be performing better than the wall is performing you know because because there's so much thermal bridging and um i think yeah i think we concluded that it was like an r4 wall or something like that oh, and uh and so yeah in that case it was a little bit of it's a little bit of an extreme example because they had to switch to um they ended up switching to a wall panel, um, like an insulated, uh, insulated wall panel, which had much better, you know, covered up the slab edges and that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, so, so just a couple things are, uh, well, first of all, with wood frame construction, it's generally not, it's generally not a major issue um, compared to when we have steel and concrete in the, in, you know, um, but the first thing is just to avoid any kind of, um, exposed um, exposed edges so you know yeah maybe at our where you know at the at the slab where you know we're, we're meeting grade to make sure that we're we're, we're detailing those transitions that we, we don't have we have we have continuity of insulation and we don't have exposed exposed concrete that you know that that the heat can can um, bypass the, the wall system um, uh, on the window side I think the the key thing is installing the when we have exterior insulation is um, is trying to install the window in the plane of insulation um, the worst case is you have you know like a concrete wall you have insulation either inside or outside of the concrete and you know you're installing the window in the, the plane of the concrete because then the heat just moves around moves through the concrete and bypasses the window right so so we want to try to install um, we want to kind of have a unified uh, barrier a th th unified thermal barrier um, and maybe the last thing is just um, you know a big thing has been when we use exterior insulation we're really it's basically becoming mandatory to use um, you know thermal clips uh, to to thermally isolating clips uh, to attach the cladding in a low uh, in a low conductivity manner because the uh, steel z-girds um, tend to cut the uh, Cut the insulation value in about half. Um, so that's just another example of where in the past, um, you know, walls have walls have kind of gotten off a little bit easy, I guess, in the uh, in the energy code. But now it's things are coming around. Day of the window is dawning. That's right. That's right. We're gonna be the we're gonna be the good guys instead of the bad guys very soon. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Listen, guys. Um, good discussion. Um, I've, I've, I've had to go in now for more than an hour, so uh, we probably should uh, we probably should wrap her up. Uh, uh, either of you, anything else you wanted to touch on before we go? Uh, I would just say, I guess, in closing, that um, you know, for as far as windows go, um, we I mean we've kind of gone through all this in a lot more detail, but generally speaking, um, that if if window manufacturers can at least match and exceed the the quote unquote prescriptive or or reference values that we're using on both the part nine and the part three side, then um, I think that'll be very important um, at, in order to advocate for. Um, I guess I, I I think there's potentially a risk of um, some developers just saying, well, let's just remove windows or let's reduce the overall amount of windows um, just to meet the energy code. 
But I think that the pushback there would be to say, well, look, we're meeting and exceeding the uh, reference window U values or thermal performance. And if you're, if you're removing windows, uh, especially below the, um, the reference uh, fenestration door to wall ratio, it's because you are, um, I mean, it, you're trying to make up for deficiency elsewhere in the building. And so I think that that's, uh, you could say that that's, there's a bit, bit of a disparity there. So, so yeah, I would just say, uh, I would recommend, um, you know, keeping ahead of the, um, just embracing the, the pain of the energy code uh, because it's here one way or another. But but actually um, just but actually actually getting out ahead of it and uh, ensuring that we are um, um, meeting and exceeding those uh, the performance values and then uh, we're making a very good case to ensure that that windows are um, continuing to be a, a very critical part of the uh, energy code compliance of a building. And you're hurting your design, right? I mean I mean everybody wants more windows, uh, right? So, yeah. so, you know, if you could, if you can, if you can make your house, you know, nice and open and light, uh, and, and, and you don't have, you don't have to throw away, you know, half, half your windows because, because you're worried about uh, a prescriptive path only, well, exactly. uh, you've got an opportunity here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as energy modelers, I mean, this is perhaps getting a bit more subjective, but I would say that we, we obviously, we hold uh, energy um, performance to be very important and, and um, but we also want to avoid, you know, compromising or sacrificing the, um, you know, the, the, the intention or the operation of a building, you know, there's a lot more to the usage of a building than, than just the bottom line of energy. So, and like Nick has said, there, there are innovative ways that both within the window manufacturing industry and elsewhere throughout the design that we can, um, that we can really accommodate some of these targets and really rise to meet the challenge. And um, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean simply reducing or removing windows. Nick, if people want to get a hold of you guys, what do they do? Where do they go? Uh, probably the easiest is our website, uh, redpelican.ca, and um, they can find our contact information there. Okay, tremendous. But no contact with Nick uh, directly because he has babies to look after. And uh, he will. He, dad. He'll be he'll be sleeping at odd times of the day, uh, and uh, that's right. yeah. So but try Ben first. That's right. That's yeah. Right. yeah. For the time being. Listen, uh, Ben Francis, Nick Shock, Red Pelican. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today on Penetration Conversations. Great discussion, uh, and uh, take care and have a good day. You too. Thanks, Pat. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks very much, Patrick. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.